If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited time offer, so act now. If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited-time offer, so act now. My name is Rob Gorski, and you're listening to the Autism Dad Podcast. I want to thank you all for taking the time to tune in. I do appreciate that, as always. Um, I also want to just acknowledge... Uh, that it's been a couple weeks since I've released anything on time and, uh, shame on me. I get that. Uh, life has just been crazy here and, and, uh, you know, school started a couple weeks back and that has been a disaster and we've had to make some major adjustments, uh, in order to kind of make that work. Um, but I'm hoping to be back on track starting today. We'll see what happens. Uh, COVID just kind of threw everything up in the air and, and, and we're just kind of, uh, doing the best we can with what we got right now, just like all of you out there. So I do appreciate your patience and your understanding. Um, as for today, uh, my guest is Amy Nielsen. Uh, she has a background in education with 17 years of experience. She has a child who was diagnosed with ADHD and autism. Um, she has had to sort of make adjustments to her career and her life in order to sort of meet uh, the demands of being a special needs parent. Uh, she currently runs the Big Abilities blog and podcast. Fantastic podcast. You guys will have to check that out. I'll make sure I put a link in the uh, in the uh, show notes. Uh, she's also a freelance writer for Playground Magazine. She contributes to The Mighty, and she's author of the book, It Takes a Village, Get Your Hands Dirty and Build Yours from the Ground Up. And she is also a parent advocate and early intervention specialist at Collaborative Corner for Exceptional Children. Uh, Amy is on the show today, and we're just going to kind of have a, a parent-to-parent kind of conversation about what life is like for her as a special needs mom and, uh, you know, trying to balance work and, you know, now with COVID, the at-home education part of things and, you know, what her plans are for the upcoming school year. 
Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the the nonprofit work that she's doing and uh, a little bit about her book and just kind of get to know her a little bit and and it'll be a cool conversation. So uh, stay tuned. I will be right back after this quick commercial break. Thanks. Uh, and we're back and Amy Nielsen is with us uh, today. She is the author of It Takes a Village, Get Your Hands Dirty and Build Yours from the Ground Up, uh, which is a step-by-step guide to helping families and children with special needs build a support system, which we were just actually talking about. Uh, before we started recording. Uh, welcome to the show, Amy. Thank you for, for taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. Um, could you just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, well, I feel like I've lived two totally different lifetimes. And my first lifetime, I was an educator for 17 years. I taught at the elementary and middle school level. And I ran the media center and taught TV production, and it was a blast. Loved it. And during that time, I was raising three children. My oldest daughter is 32. She is a lawyer in the Tampa area, and she specializes in wills, trust, and estate planning, as well as special needs law. And my younger daughter is 21. She is starting cosmetology school on Monday. I can't wait because I am tired of coloring my own hair. (laughs) My older son is 18. He is in school for business and plans to study finance or entrepreneurship. He hasn't quite figured that out yet. And then at 45, I decided I'd start all over again and have another child. So the little guy Barkley is five and he is on the autism spectrum. And it was through that journey of learning how to readjust my parenting perspective and outlook with having a child with autism that I decided to kind of shift my focus in life. And I started the Big Abilities blog and podcast. And I also freelance write for some parenting magazines. And most recently I joined the nonprofit organization Collaborative Corner for Exceptional Children. So that's kind of a little bit of my background. Very cool. And we we actually connected February, February, March, something like that. Because we both of our families had been invited to uh, visit the Doubletree uh, at SeaWorld in Orlando to evaluate their their autism uh, certification and, and the the autism sort of friendly inclusions that they have uh, to provide the community to, to make it sort of an autism friendly experience. And what we miss each other by like a week? Is that yeah. what it was? By like a week? Um, what was what was your experience like when you were there? It was great. One of my biggest concerns when I take Barkley somewhere is I'm always concerned about his behavior impacting others. You know, sometimes children with autism can go on and on about the same topic or there's meltdowns or they exhibit atypical behaviors like stimming and that sort of thing. And one of the things that made me feel so welcome at the Hilton Doubletree is everywhere around the property, there are signs that say this is a certified autism center property. So that just made me feel such a level of comfort that people there expect to see children like my son. So that was one thing that I really liked. And I also liked how each person there tried to make a connection with him. A lot of times people don't know how to interact with someone with autism and so they avoid them. And not to be rude, they just don't know how to interact with them. And I just felt like David, the guy that checked us all in, Mm -hmm. um, he saw Barkley carrying this giant Millennium Falcon And so he immediately began a Star Wars conversation with him and showed him a picture of Kylo Ren on his phone. And it was just that type of kindness and sincerity that just, it meant a lot. And 
And they had a lot of accommodations such as sensory bags and quiet spaces. But those personal connections really, they go a long way with families like ours that don't sometimes receive that in other places. So I really enjoyed it. You know, yeah, when, when you see, when you saw all the signs that just let you know that this was an autism friendly, whatever, or, you know, there were signs that would direct you to like a quiet zone or, or things like that. It was just, uh, it, it was just, it, it was, it sort of, it sort of helps everybody else who's there, whether your staff or another guest to, to sort of just know that, Hey, this is kind of something that you might run into. And, and it just kind of keeps it in their mind that maybe if they see a child that's having a problem, that it's not a disciplinary thing or, or something like that, that it, that right. it's, there may be more behind it. Uh, and, and I just, I just thought that was really, that was really cool. Um, I noticed that and I thought that was, I've never seen that before. We're in, we're in Ohio and there's nothing like that up here. And you guys are in Florida, right? Correct. I am in central Florida. And actually one of the magazines that I freelance for Hilton had reached out to them and wanted them to cover and so they could let the community aware of what I, of their certified autism center accreditation. So luckily, you know, they knew me and knew that I had a child in the spectrum. And so it was just, I could really give um, a very personal experience, not just from, you know, a writer's standpoint about this, but how it impacted our family. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait to go back because it really did. I didn't feel like they were accommodating to families with uh, impacted by autism, but that they wanted us there. They welcomed families with autism. Yeah. And and I, and I said, I think when I, when I interviewed them, uh, half a COVID. Well, it was before COVID. I judge things in COVID time now. So it was like half a COVID I time totally ago. I totally get it. <laughs> um, it was, it was kind of cool too, because, because there wasn't like, you knew that they were there to support you, but it wasn't anything that was, they weren't like looking over your shoulder or sort of hovering around to make sure that you didn't need right. anything. It was just kind of cool that I could just, you know, I could call David up or something and just say, Hey, this is going on, you know, where can we go? Or, you know, so it was just, it was just cool to knowing that you have that, that sort of backup or that support. Uh, and I was really nervous because like as a single dad, well, we drove all the way there from Ohio, which was actually a lot of fun. Um, but, but taking on something like that by myself really kind of scared me <laughs> and I'm sure. And it was, it was, it turned out to be a very positive thing. So, um, was there, was there one thing that, that really kind of stood out to you guys? I think just the fact that I felt our family was not just welcome there, but we were wanted there. And that, that feeling goes a long way. Um, We don't go many places. And I know you've talked about that too. It's just, well, first off, Barkley often doesn't really ask to go many places. He is just as happy staying at home and his familiar setup and environment, but sometimes it is nice to have a change of scenery. And once COVID is, long behind us. We can't wait to go back because it was really a wonderful experience. I encourage any family that has a family member impacted by autism to check them out and give it a try. And it's within walking distance of SeaWorld, which is nice. And they also have certified autism center accreditation as well. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, I, I took a lot of pictures. We didn't actually go into the, the, that quiet room that they have, like right at the entrance, mm-hmm. uh, just cause my kids are older and I, I felt odd kind of doing that because I didn't know if there was other people in there who like needed it. And so I just, right. we didn't, we didn't go in, but 
Um, I did take a bunch of pictures of it because that was like one of the coolest things I've I've seen. Everywhere you go, there's there's sensory signs up that let you know what to expect as far as like smell and temperature and uh, you know sometimes there's like water spray or something like that that it, it lets you know ahead of time what you're going to be walking into uh, so I that your kid anybody can prepare. would enjoy that you yeah. know any person to see what were all the experiences that would you know you would find on that attraction. We did go in that quiet room. Mm-hmm. Barkley got very overstimulated in Sesame Street World. and We needed a place to dysregulate. And it was great. We went in there. The lights were off. There was no one else in there. He had this bubble wand. It was, he laid down. He took a little five, 10 minute siesta. And it really was what enabled us to finish out the rest of our day. Well, that's, that's really cool. Yep. Um, and we had talked about pre-COVID trying to meet up next winter, I guess, because that's when we would want to go down again. It's probably next winter. Uh, and then COVID hit. So that's indefinitely on hold for right now, <laughs> especially Florida. Um, how are you guys, how are you guys doing with all of the COVID stuff? Cause Florida is sort of a, uh, at this point of time, it's sort of an epicenter for um, COVID right now. Are you guys doing okay? Yeah. I mean, obviously we've had to adjust just like everyone else. Uh, For my husband, he is a video game producer. So the company that he works for, they had just, he was with EA Sports for 20 years and then left with some of his colleagues and they have their own startup company called Hype Games. You can download their newest game, Ultimate Golf, right now onto your smartphone. (laughs) Little plug there. But they had just started working in an office because they have people that work on their team all over the world. Right. And so it was pretty easy for them to transition, you know, going back to working from home. And because I write freelance, it was easy for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, The challenge was with Barkley because he was in an ESE preschool at the time. And so then I had to overnight become mom, the teacher, mom, the therapist. And right when this all happened, he got sick actually. And he was sick for about 10 days. He had a high fever. And he has an immune system that is incredible. He never gets sick. So right when this started happening, he gets sick. We didn't bring him into the doctor. We just had to telehealth. And they said, if he gets worse, bring him in. So we just kind of monitored him at home and he slowly got better. But I kept him out for 14 days after. Mm -hmm. And that was very challenging for me because I saw a huge decline and a lot of progress we had made with behavior therapy. So since his behavior therapist had kind of been in our bubble since the beginning, I sent him back to therapy and immediately things began to improve again. So he is still in behavior therapy and doing fantastic. They have taught him how to wear a face mask, which he will wear for any period of time you ask him to. No problems. It's been great. When I see adults complain about it, I'm like, my five-year-old autistic son wear a face mask for six hours and not complain about it. <laughs> you know, and he actually looks forward to when I buy him a new one, whatever, you know, graphic is Design on it. Most of them are, it. Yeah. Most of them are star Wars, but so that's been a little bit of an adjustment, but probably the toughest thing for me personally is that I do have three older children and none of them live here. So since we're not in the same household, mm-hmm. we are trying to be very careful about seeing each other. And when we visit, it's outside And if they come inside, you know, we're wearing face masks. And so that's hard for me because I really miss my older three kids. My daughters and I usually go every summer on a mother-daughter retreat somewhere around Florida. We haven't, we weren't able to do that. So 
I miss that a lot, but I know it's temporary. And that's what I keep trying to remind my children. This is temporary. Mm -hmm. This isn't going to be this way forever. This is just a short period of time. We all have to do our part. And so that's what we're doing. But for Barkley, he is as content and happy as he could possibly be. He is unaware there is a coronavirus. (laughs) So he thinks when you get sick, you get a Band-Aid and, you know, life goes on. So um, there's actually an episode of Daniel the Tiger coming out, I believe, August 27th, that is going to explain the coronavirus to children. So I'm planning to record that and have him watch it so he understands a little bit about it. But, you know, the cognitive ability just quite isn't there for him to grasp. A lot of adults are having a hard time grasping this whole thing. Yeah. Um, St. Jude. uh, St. Jude was on the show two months ago, maybe three months ago. Uh, And they actually have resources for families uh, of young kids that help them. Uh, It's a, it's like a a booklet that you can download and it's got coloring pages and it explains in very, very simple terms that are non, you know, non-threatening or not scary or anything like that, but helps them understand what the virus is and how you can protect yourself by wearing a mask and washing your hands Mm -hmm. and um, you know, social distancing and stuff like that. And so I used that with my kids, my two youngest, um, grasp it without an issue. My oldest who is immunocompromised is 20 cognitively. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's about five or six. Um, he, he doesn't really, he understands that it's bad and it's dangerous and he doesn't want it. And so I'm, I'm trying to get him to sort of back down the paranoia, just, just kind of a, a little bit because it's, um, you know, he's afraid of getting COVID from somebody in our house who hasn't been exposed to anybody in 153 days. So, I mean, like it's not, not it's that not, anyone's counting Yeah, No, I actually keep losing count. So I have a, I have a, a widget on my home screen on my phone that, that tracks the days for me because everything just sort of serves together. Um, but yeah, they, they do have some cool resources. Uh, I'll, I'll email you the, the links to that because it is, it is helpful, especially for, for younger kids. Uh, and they have it for different developmental places as well so yeah that'd be great well the mask wearing um he if he knows a rule and he's been taught the rule he's pretty capable of following that indefinitely and so once this broke out in you know the spring i asked the behavior therapist can you help me help him learn to tolerate wearing a face mask and within a day or two they created a fantastic wearing a mask program it's on my blog, um, the actual PDF download that anybody can download. You can send it with your child to therapy. You can use the program with them at home. And it really broke it down into uh, steps that he could understand. And they started off just having him wear it like 30 seconds. And they used uh, the first then pre-MAC principle with it. It's a very easy to follow program and it worked. And that's how we got him to wear now. If we pull up to the grocery store, he get, knows to put that mask right on before we go in. So, which I try to do most of that stuff without him just to minimize mm-hmm. us being in public places, but he can do it. So it's Very really cool. a really good program. And that actually made me wonder because my kids, um, when they know that there's a rule established, they expect everyone to follow that rule. And I was going to yes. ask you, does he, um, does he get anxious when he sees other people not wearing masks? Well, it's funny that you say that, Rob, because he's probably the biggest mask shamer there is. So (laughs) So every week, 
It's so funny. Every weekend we walk up to the grocery store. We live on a trail and we can walk to um, some shopping centers. So Barkley and I usually wait outside. He's in a stroller. And so since we're outside, we're not wearing them. But my husband puts his mask on and goes inside. Well, we have a mask mandate in our county, but not outside. So it's only inside. So when when Barkley sees people come out of the store, he'll he'll say to each person, you're wearing a mask. You're not wearing a mask. You're wearing a mask. You're not wearing a mask. <laughs> and it's just hilarious. That's, do you ever get like, does anybody ever get like aggressive or, or upset they about it? I think since he's so little, no one really, you takes know, it, pays much attention to it. it. They'll just say, yep, I'm not, you know, it's just kind of funny, but. That's funny. Yeah. Cause my kids get really anxious because nobody like Ohio is sort of doing okay. We get, we get like a, about 1200 cases a day right now. Um, and it, we're under the whole state is under a mask mandate inside and out outside. Um, and I almost see no one wearing masks and my kids get really anxious because they'll see everybody in our neighborhood outside, like everything is normal, not wearing masks. And it, and it gets them like anxious and nervous. And it's like, guys, like, I mean, they're, they're outside. They, I mean, we can't control what anybody else is doing. All we can do is do what we need to do for ourselves. We're staying inside right now. Nobody's going to, you know, breathe through a window or something like that. Um, but it is, it is something that autistic kids, when rules are established, it's, it's concrete and it applies to everybody. And, uh, they're very vocal if you're not following the rule. And I just thought that was really funny. That Uh, is so true. And, you saying this kind of reminds me of a story I heard you talk about in it the other day. And when I heard you tell this story, I cracked up because Barkley almost does the same thing. It was when you were saying that he puts notes in the window yeah. when Amazon drops off packages <laughs> or you get your groceries delivered. Well, Barkley now realizes that I can track Amazon on my phone and see how many stops away they are. Mm-hmm. So he'll stand in the big, he'll move the curtains and stand right in front of the window. This whole body is in the window and he is frightened more Amazon delivery people because they'll walk around the corner of the house and then there's this Boom, child right there. standing there in the window. Most of the time he has pants on, so it's not that bad. <laughs> but when I heard you tell that story about Emmett, it reminded me so much of Barkley standing in that window waiting for Amazon. And, you know, that's, that's literally funny. what our days boil down to, right? Now, waiting for packages to get dropped off. Yeah. Waiting for groceries or something. Emmett's really funny because when he, he, when he does this, like he could just talk to the doorbell camera, right. And just say, thank you if you wanted to. But instead he takes a piece of paper and he writes, thank you on it. And he doesn't like put it up in the window. Like, Hey, just, you know, thanks or whatever. He slams it into the window, almost <laughs> like he's angry or sarcastic. And I'm never sure how the people are going to take it. Uh, but everybody just sort of looks at him and gives him a thumbs up and smiles. And um, he feels good about it. So I figure that was, that was all him. So, you know, good for him yeah. for thinking to do that. That's um, adorable. That cracked me up and it so reminded me of Barkley. Yeah, that's, that's funny. Um what are you, what are your plans for this upcoming school year? Cause I know, I, I know Florida was pushing to get everybody back in the classroom, at least like on a state level, they were trying to do that. And, and then sort of individual counties are like resisting doing that. Are you guys, um, what are you guys doing for this coming year? 
Well, actually, Orange County, which is where Barkley is going to be going to school. We live in Seminole County, but he got accepted into an autism charter school. It's in Orange County. Super excited about it. But Orange County is bringing all students back 10 days early mm-hmm. for a 10-day distance learning soft launch, if you will, to use a video game terminology. So for 10 days, all the students, teachers, parents, we will kind of learn how to use this distance learning program. So that starts for us on Monday. And then the students that are going back to the brick and mortar campus will return the 21st. I have decided to keep Barkley home at this time for a bunch of reasons. Uh, One is because I can, Mm -hmm. I am home. So I feel like if I'm home, I can keep him here as long as possible. That just leaves one more empty seat in that classroom and safer for parents that don't have the privilege to be able to be home with their kids. And also because being on the autism spectrum, since he doesn't understand things about the coronavirus. You know, he doesn't understand social distancing. He's a hugger. He likes to be in people's personal space. So I know that's going to be challenging. And we're also, we struggle in the hygiene department. Mm -hmm. So just basic life skills that he needs to keep himself safe and other people safe. So we're just going to hunker down and distance learn as long as possible for right now. Um, And that was kind of why I chose that route. I have some friends that are sending their students back. There are some counties around here that are doing great things like uh, offering rapid testing for every teacher and every student. So the state's doing the best they can with um, kind of planning this. But for us personally, we're just going to hunker down for right now. And But I'm really excited about the fact that he got into this autism charter school because it seems like a really great fit for him. Are you are you concerned at all about taking that on? Because like we're doing distance learning for the first time with my kids this year, because, um, in a, in Ohio, well, they're in a charter school for, for autistic kids or they, or they were, and there's a lot of issues with hygiene and, you know, boundaries. And, and I, I can't see any way that they're going to have everybody in that. They could have everybody in the school wearing masks or social distancing, or there's just, a, there's not enough room in the school, and B, it's just never going to happen. Yeah, um, for our kids, it's too challenging. It's for too them challenging. To understand. Yeah. And uh, you know, I I feel it's unsafe for my kids right now. I have my my oldest is immunocompromised, so I have to be very very careful what we do. And then uh, you know, I don't I don't want to put the the teachers at risk or uh, the staff at risk. And they they actually just decided they were going to do a hybrid model this year. Whereas like a group A, group B, and then sort of rotate mm-hmm. days. And then they just decided that they were going to go completely remote learning for at least the first nine weeks to see what Ohio's doing after that. But but I I have them enrolled in um, uh, Ohio Connections Academy now. So it's, it's completely online. And I don't have to worry about any of the um, curriculum or anything like that. It's I, I just have to report time uh, they like did their time for that day and, and then sort of facilitate getting them out of bed and getting them in front of their laptop and stuff like that. But I'm nervous about taking that on because like, I feel like on a good day, I'm already kind of drowning <laughs> and, and that's a huge responsibility to, to take that on. And I was just wondering if you were feeling sort of anxious or, or worried about any of that stuff. Well, Not really. I feel very fortunate that Barkley has an excellent behavior therapist. 
And so in the beginning of the process, she's going to be here with us for three hours a day, which will help him adjust. Because I think for probably for your kids too, I would think this is home. And mm-hmm. when you're home, I mean, when Barkley's home, he's in his cozy clothes, he calls them. I put him in a collared shirt and khakis when he goes out the door. So just to kind of help that mindset a little mm-hmm. bit. But when we're home, you eat when you want to eat and you play with what you want to play with. And so I think that adjustment is going to be a little challenging. And that's why I'm really fortunate. And I know I'm so blessed that I will have his behavior therapist here with us. And then kind of to your point, I won't have to construct the curriculum because he'll be going through this electronic, well, it's not really an electronic program. The teacher's actually doing it. So the teacher will be on the screen and he'll interact with her, Mm -hmm. including even the music teacher and the PE teacher. So I'm going to be kind of like you, more of the facilitator. So it's just kind of um, teaching him his new home routine. So that will probably be the biggest challenge. But I think all families that are going to be distance learning, all kids, when you're home, you're home. And it's and it feels different. So a lot of our children and parents are going to be really adjusting to a new norm for in that department, for sure. That, that, that brings me to another question that I just thought of. Um, one of the things that I had talked about with I don't know, it was on a, on a, on a past show. Um, one of the big challenges that, that we faced was when they shut the schools down. I mean, that's fine. They had to do that, but then that shakes up their whole routine. Right. And then when they're forced to learn from home, then that shakes up their home routine. And then, so now, now you have two routines that are out of whack, which just kind of, if, if people don't understand what, a disrupted routine is like for an autistic kid. The only thing I can think of is chaos. Like it just sends their world into chaos. And, and it was, it, it, we're we're on 153 days right now. And and I still have not been able to establish a new routine. And at at this point I'm like, well, what's the point? Cause next week, you know, school starts (laughs) and we're going to have to figure it out then. Yeah. What you said is their school routine has been disrupted their home routine has been disrupted. And now we're going to create a third routine in the midst of all of this. And, and when you said that autistic children and disruptions and routines, if we put something in a different place in the house, that's a disruption to my son's routine. I mean, everything has one place it goes. I have a certain pillowcase that I use certain clothes that I wear for certain things that I'm doing. I mean, it is the routine establishment is Mm -hmm. huge for children on the spectrum. And so again, that's why I'm just so glad I have the behavior therapist there to help me help him adjust to this new routine. How is, how is he going to do? Do you think is he, does he understand that he's going to be staying home or is he, is he, does he enjoy being in the building, I guess, or, or is he, like you said, he's just sort of happy wherever he's at. He's happy wherever he's at. I tell people this And sometimes it kind of comes across the wrong way, but I think you'll understand it. And I think maybe a lot of parents can relate to this. I feel like with Barkley, he is very energetic, very loving, enjoys to have fun. But I feel like if I, if a different woman picked him up this afternoon, that could fill all the same needs for him that I do. Mm. He might be like, where's that other lady I used to call mom and question it but he'd be fine. He'd pick up with the new mom and go on with life. And so that's kind of liberating a little bit for someone that, you know, I think he's going to adjust just fine. He'll, it'll take some time to know that, you know, this is 
a school setting now and a home setting, we're going to do school in a different room than he plays in. So to kind of keep that separation, but I'm not really too concerned about it. And again, I have the support of his behavior therapist and that to me gives me all the confidence that we'll be able to make this work. So, and and I'm sure that you will too. It'll take some time for everybody, but we'll adjust. Yeah. I, I, I think my kids will do okay. They're resistant right now because they're old enough to be very resistant. And, uh, I think they'd be resistant regardless. And, and it's the attitude of we're living through a pandemic who cares about school. And, you know, I get it right. Because there's a lot of things that I'm just like, who cares? Like right now, what does it matter? I mean, you know, but, uh, but it's important. I mean, if, if, if we can make it work safely, then I think it's important that we at least make a concerted effort to, to get them into a, to get them into, you know, learning again on some kind of normal schedule. Um, it's, it's going to, it's just going to be, it's hard because like I work, I've been working from home for like 10 years and this is working and, and having kids who don't know what an indoor voice is or, or can't walk around the house without stomping their feet. Uh, it, it gets hard. And now, now they're going to be in front of the, they're going to be doing work that they're not going to want to be doing. It's going to be, it makes me nervous that, that I'm taking on more than what, uh, I question whether I'm the right person for the job sometimes, I guess is what you're it the right to. person. You can do it. That's what everybody but, keeps saying. <laughs> but I, I, I totally understand. I mean, my husband feels so guilty sometimes because he spends most of his day on zoom meetings mm. and Barkley will want him to play or want to show him something. And, you know, there's that constant interruption and I try to keep him from bothering, you know, my husband as much as possible, but there is that, that parent guilt. And, I listen to a lot of your episodes and I hear when your kids knock on the door or come yeah, in and, yeah. you know, but, but I think may, maybe that's frustrating to you at sometimes, but for us that listen to your show, it's endearing because you are making it work. You're, you've figured out a way to give your kids what they need and provide for them, you know, financially and emotionally in the same space. And I think that's, you need to really commend yourself for that. Well, I appreciate that. And it, and it is, it does get annoying sometimes only because like I have lost all sense of personal space in, in my house. So like there, I have nowhere to go to, to like get away just to be by myself. If it's not one of my kids that are attached to me, it's the dog or uh, sometimes it's the cat and I'm not even a cat person and she never comes around unless I really don't need her to be there. Um, <laughs> and, and then so, so like this is sort of like my personal, this is my adult contact for the week. Right. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't see any other adults. And so when, when they, it's like, they just, they decide they need everything when I can't give it to them. (laughs) And, uh, and it can be frustrating sometimes, but I I think you're right that it is, it is comforting to other people to, to hear that Mm -hmm. because it's, you know, Hey, I'm not alone. Hey, my kids interrupt everything that I'm doing as well. And so I decided the last, the last episode, that I did that I was just going to keep it in um, because you know, it, it's, it's just the way it is. It's real life. It's, it's not exactly. so much professional, but it's, we're, we're, we're sort of adapting to a new, uh, a new thing. And so I do appreciate that. So thank you. You're welcome. Um, do you expect to face any kind of any challenges as a result of all these changes? 
Well, as long as I remind myself that this is temporary and I continue to try to share that message with other people, this is temporary, this will pass. And kind of something you said, I've, a lot of people are doing the same thing. You know, my son did not go to school over the summer. My older son, he didn't take his summer classes. He does not do well distance learning, my 18-year-old. And he's like, mom, I feel like I'm, you know, going to be behind if I don't take these summer classes. But I didn't want him taking statistics on the computer. You know, he just, he was set up for classes that I just did not think he would do well with in a distance learning situation in college. And I said, Trent, everybody is going to be behind. The entire world is kind of on pause. So that gave him some comfort that, you know, my number one concern and most parents that have children on the autism spectrum, our number one concern Honestly, it's not the education of our kids. That's number two. Mm-hmm. Number one is their safety. Mm-hmm. And if so, that's when I look at any situation with my son, that is the first question that I ask myself is this safe for him? And if the answer is yes, we proceed. If the answer is no, we pause. And so, right now, the answer is I'm not sure if he's safe going back to school. So, I'm going to keep him home. If his education suffers a little bit, you know, big deal. So He'll catch it. up later. Yeah. But it's safety. It's the safety is the number one concern. When they first shut the schools down um, last school year, they they didn't, like the school, their school wasn't set up for distance learning or remote learning. And so they would have us drive to the school every Monday, pick up schoolwork, do it over the course of the week, and then drop it off the following week. And And it was mostly like busy work. And, and yeah. things like that. So it wasn't like they weren't like my two youngest are very advanced. And so if they're not challenged, it's not worth their time to, to them. Right. Right. And so when they're, when they're like my, my Elliot was in eighth grade and Emmett was in fifth grade or sixth grade. Uh, and they were both getting some of the exact same work to do. And, and that was sort of frustrating for both of them when mm-hmm. they're just like, screw it. Like, I, I just don't want to do this. It's, it's a waste of time and whatever. And it got to the point where it was so stressful that I had, I had finally, I just pulled the plug because it was just, there was no, there was, it was so disruptive. Uh, and then I would feel so bad because I'm thinking like, my God, like all the other parents out there have probably got their kids doing their homework. Everybody's turning it in on time. And, and it Rob, took me I'll a, tell you a secret. They weren't, <laughs> they weren't, they weren't even, I mean, and then I had to like take a step back and think like, I know a lot of these parents and, and I, I can't, I, I don't think, I don't think anybody was doing much better than what we were. And and I, yep. and I think, and, and so when, when you said that about your son, I thought that's important that we bring that up because everybody is, is struggling. And, and like I told my guys, we still don't know what Ohio is going to do. Ohio may delay the start of the school year. And if they do that, it would be across the board because they can't start some schools now. And in some schools later, because then you have kids in the same grade at different places and like it becomes, I mean, maybe they can do that. I, I don't particularly think that's the best idea. I would rather just keep everybody on the same uh, plane. But um, yeah, anyhow, so everybody's in the same boat. Everybody's going to have to try mm-hmm. and figure out how to play catch up when it, when it, when it becomes time to uh, sort of come out of all of this. So that was a good point. I appreciate you bringing that up. Um you had mentioned that you you are now working with a new uh, non- nonprofit, right? Yes. Collaborative Corner for Exceptional Children. Can you tell mm-hmm. us 
what that's all about? Sure. Well, um, there's a little backstory to me joining this organization, and I'll, I'll tell that first because I, I think like it's, again, something that parents can relate to. So back in March, again, when this whole thing was happening, it was time for Barclays IEP transition meeting into kindergarten. And that's an individualized education plan is what all kids with special needs have if they're in the public school system. And so it was just me going to the meeting. And when I say going to the meeting via Zoom with the, with the school, people from the school and people from the, the school district. Mm -hmm. And I'd been kind of led to believe all year during preschool that he would be placed in a self-contained exceptional student education kindergarten classroom. That was the expectation I kind of been led to believe. And during the meeting, when the school presented the IEP to me, it did say ESE kindergarten classroom placement. And immediately, someone from the district who does not know my son spoke up and said that that was incorrect, that he would be placed in a general education kindergarten classroom. And I was blindsided and shocked and scared, but the public school system is set up to you put place children in the least restrictive environment, yeah. and then you pile on the assistance and the support as the needs arise. Well, his preschool teacher had done such a fantastic job that it, the data didn't really show he needed kindergarten ESE placement, but we all knew he did. So I was pretty shocked, and I said, I can't agree to that right now. I need to process this. I need to talk to my husband. Good for and you. So, a lot of parents would just, they don't realize they have the ability to do that. Correct. And I didn't really know that either at this time. I just kind of, it blindsided me so much that I just knew I needed to process and think about this for a minute. So I ended, we agreed to end the call and regroup a little bit later. And so um, I told my husband, I'm like, I don't know what just happened, but I think the school and myself were blindsided because it was on the IEP EAC classroom placement. So I had heard about education advocates, special education advocates. I'd heard friends talk about they had hired one mm -hmm. to help with their child's IEP, but I never thought I'd need one myself. And I remember seeing this girl's name keep popping up in some of these uh, special needs Facebook groups I was in, Jessica Barrasano, and she is a special education advocate. So I messaged her on Facebook and she called me back like immediately. And she began serving as my son's special education advocate. And she worked tirelessly, hours and hours and hours, pouring over documents, collecting feedback from his behavior therapist and everybody that ever worked with him to kind of build the case to the district that he does need this ESC self-contained placement. And our biggest concern was safety mm -hmm. because an, a general education classroom isn't set up to where if that class is walking to the library and my son sees a fire truck, he's gone. There's no one to chase after so him. Wandering concerns you know, to, and things like that. Yeah, to assist him with eating. <clears throat> he can't really feed himself that well to assist him with toileting, all of these special supports that he needs in place. And I just began to have so much respect for the passion that she was putting behind helping our family. And she has a child with special needs herself. And so throughout the whole process, and actually in the beginning of that process, She's the one that recommended to me to contact the autism charter school and to get on their wait list, which I did. And because of COVID, a lot of people weren't bringing their kids back or weren't applying to be mm -hmm. accepted. So he got in. So ultimately, we ended up not getting 
the placement that we wanted with the public school system, but we were able to get him placed at the autism charter school. And so I got to really know her through this process, as I said, and I ended up interviewing her on my podcast and kind of the backstory behind her organization. And after that was over, she asked me, she goes, I really have gotten to know you a lot and see your passion for helping your son and helping other families through what I've done with my blog and podcast. And she said, I'd like for you to join Collaborative Corner as a panelist. And I was very honored. It is a volunteer position. And so I serve as the early intervention specialist and parent advocate. So I help families whose kids are really young, like the birth to three age with, you know, the questions that they have. How do I get behavior therapy? Do I need therapy? How do I get speech? How do I, you know, get a diagnosis? All of these questions, should my child go to school and where? And it's just, it's overwhelming in the beginning. So I kind of help them piece a plan together for their child and their individual family needs. And then I also serve as parent advocate, which is supporting the parent as a whole in any way they need, basically being a part of their support system. And that is, um, well, before I talk about the support system, back with Collaborative Corner. So Collaborative Corner is made up of industry-leading professionals in a variety of different genres. So speech therapists, occupational therapists, special education advocates, and parents can reach out to us and we will help them in any way they need free of charge. So we run support groups and a lot of different things like that. And so um, it was an honor to, to join the organization and I've just officially become a member this last month. Congratulations. So I'm doing that and uh, thanks. And Welcome. one of the things that I do is I run a support group and um, trying to build, help people build their support system because that is one of the biggest impacts on the success of your child is how supported you are as the parent. And a lot of parents don't know how to go find that support. We feel overwhelmed and we shut down. And so I try to help those parents realize, help them unoverwhelm themselves and reach out because people don't know what you need. No one's going to come knocking on your door saying, hey, can I make a phone call for you to your insurance company and help find out this question that you have? But if someone comes knocking on your door asking you for help in your area of expertise, you want to help them. Mm -hmm. So that's what I try to really coach parents through. And the book that I wrote is basically a step-by-step -step guide to all of the areas in your support system that you need and how to build that support system. And there even is an, a PDF included of like a 21-day challenge to help you build your support system in a lot of different areas. So when Barkley was first diagnosed with autism, I knew not one person that had a child with autism. Yeah. Not one. And I began to find people online like yourself. And so that's how I began to realize that not that my friends that don't have children with autism aren't a valuable part of my support system because they are, but the most important people I need there are people like you, people that understand that mm -hmm. have been there, that can give me advice, suggestions, referrals. That is the biggest piece sometimes to this puzzle that parents are missing. And judgment-free. Just that, that's, that's a big thing. Judgment-free, Absolutely. When we have our support group on Fridays over Zoom, the stories that people have been waiting all week to tell, you know, <laughs> that involve bathroom situations or things their child did that were gross or whatever it may be. But a lot of people 
have a hard time understanding the humor in some of those stories and sometimes the frustration in some of those stories. And so we do have that safe place. Like you said, that's judgment-free. We save those stories up and we can share with other people that get it. So kind of the book I wrote and working with Collaborative Corner really go hand in hand because that's really what I want to do is to be a part of the system of other parents like myself to give back to the community that I'm a part of, just like you've done. And I've heard you say this many times when you started blogging, that that was therapeutic to you at first, Mm -hmm. before you realized that you could help other people. It was more like self-serving therapy. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was the same way when I started blogging, it was therapy. And then I began to hear back from other parents that were reading what I was writing. And it was humbling that my experiences are helping other people. And this is a small community, even though sometimes it seems overwhelming. Autism is kind of a small community. And the people there that like you and I, I mean, anybody that reaches out to me, I will do anything in the world I can to help fill the need that they have. And I know that you're the same way because we've been there. We're still there. And we know that we can't do this by ourselves. I I know like when I first got started and I think we talked about it. um, We talked about this before. uh, I think it was on your podcast, uh, which we need to make sure we, I'll I'll link that in the show notes because people need to to check that out as well. Um, it, it's when I first started doing the, when I, when I first became knew that I was an autism parent, it was about 15 years ago. And at, at that point, people knew autism through rain man and that was it, right? It was Correct. still, it was still like one in every 15,000 or something like that. That was, that was diagnosed. And then Gavin, my oldest was diagnosed in 2005 and it was, to me, it was like world ending in that moment only because I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what it meant for him. And mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't understand what the challenges would be. And he's, he's got childhood disintegrative disorder. So he has a more, um, like he, he developed typically until about three or four and then regressed. Um, and, and so it was really scary, you know, and, and there was nobody to talk to. And, and my wife at the time was, was like, you know, you just need to like deal with this in a, in a better way and, and start writing this stuff down. And like, I wasn't, I have no desire to write. I didn't write with a paper or pencil. And so she helped me set up this, this really cheap blog set up. And I didn't know anybody would actually read it and, because I thought it was, pri- I thought it was private. And, uh, I said a lot of things that I probably wouldn't have said if I had known other people were going <laughs> to, were going to actually read it. And, and like you said, people start responding to it and you start realizing like, it's, you know, it's very cathartic for me because like I can write it and then I leave it alone. Like it's, it's, it's done for me. I can walk away from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other people hear that and, or, or read that and, 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 you know, they'll send me messages saying, Oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm so grateful that I saw that I needed to see that or I needed to hear that today or I needed to read that today because today's been really rough. And, and so it is, it's a very rewarding experience. Uh, and that's so awesome that you you got involved in in doing that because you're you're using your experience to help other people who who are you're sort of lighting the path for the people coming behind you, and mm-hmm. and that's such a that's such an awesome uh, thing. I I mean like for me like it feels really good when I can do stuff like that. I imagine uh, it feels really good for you as well. Yep. Well, and also we 
at Collaborative Corner, you know, we respond to the needs of our families. If we see a need arise, then we respond to it. So our projects and programs are constantly evolving and changing based on the needs of the clients that we serve. Currently, we are in the middle of a huge project. And in our in our state, the VPK kids, the four-year-olds, mm-hmm. aren't being offered a distance learning program. So we started having some of our four-year-old, you know, VPK families reach out to us like, what are we going to do? You know, they're not offering us anything. And so we said, okay, our parents need something, let's deliver. So we've been working around the clock to take the benchmarks and or the, the domains and the benchmarks of our v- state's VPK curriculum and format that into like a 17-week uh, lesson plan and guideline, if you will, for families, something that we can hand deliver to them. They can download it, we, we can give it to them, and then they have a framework to go by because they're overwhelmed. They're worried about their children not continuing to build those kindergarten readiness skills. Mm-hmm. And they don't have the the knowledge because they're not instructors or, you know, or the time because they're working parents. So we're working to build something, create something and, and give it to them. So that will actually be probably on our website um, in the next couple of weeks. If any parent listening of a VPK student wants to check that out. Now, is this, uh, is this a local thing or do you guys serve a bigger area or? Well, most of us are based here in the central Florida area and we do have a lot of resources on our website that are central Florida or Florida based, but we will help families across the country, even with special education advocacy. Okay. So cool. we can do all of that. Everyone volunteers. Um, all of our services are free except for the special education advocacy. We do small, we do charge a small fee for that, but it goes right back into the organization. No one gets paid. We are just doing this because we are passionate about giving back to the community. Very cool. And, and I'll have, uh, I'll put all the information in the show notes so the people can connect and, sure. and, and find um, those resources. Resources are so important. It's so easy well, to get incredible resources, credible resources. Yes. Yeah. That's and that's, point. we really vet out what we put on our website and anything that we share, it is a credible resource. It is easy to read. It is easy to understand. We try to cover like, you know, we find resources again, when we get a question, if someone asks us a question, then we go find the resource or we create it. So mm-hmm. I do a lot of writing for collaborative corner as well. Again, when questions come to our organization, we, if one person has the question, then probably somebody else. And a lot of times people don't have access to their pediatrician or their speech therapist. They can't just pick up the phone day or night and call them, but they can email us day or night mm-hmm. and we will respond within 24 hours. Very cool. I really, I really do appreciate um, you sharing all of that. And, and like I said, I think it's really important that, that parents know uh, even, even when you shared that, well, especially when you shared uh, when you were doing your, uh, it was an IEP meeting, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you were uncomfortable with the way they were going. And I mean, you totally mama bared it. You said, we're done. We're going to, you know, and that's, that's so important. People, IEP meetings can be so intimidating and, and I think a lot of schools mean well, but, but a lot of, of times it's, it's, it's the bare minimum. That, well, that you here's get. the thing, Rob, the thing is anytime a parent is interacting with someone and that other someone is questioning the parent as the expert on their child, mm-hmm. 
that needs to be a red flag to that parent because the parents are the expert on their children. And that's why our organization is Collaborative Corner for Exceptional Children because the parent is part of the process. We make sure that any professional we connect our parents with, that those professionals are going to listen to that parent as the expert. And when I realized the district wasn't listening to me as the expert on my child, that was a problem. Yeah. What, what, if there's somebody listening today who's like, hey, I have experience in this and I would love to, to volunteer or something, can, they, can mm-hmm. they just do that? Well, we do kind of have a process for the panelists that we add mm-hmm. to our organization. Um, they go through quite the extensive interview process just to make sure that they're totally on board with our philosophy and our mission. But Jessica Barasano is the founder and anybody can reach out to her if they feel like they want to help us in any way to support the exceptional needs community, of course. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and I guess before we close everything out, like how can people find you? Well, they can find me at www.bigabilities.com. That is my blog and my podcast. And you can find my book there. You can also find me at collaborativecorner.org. If you look at the top of the website, there's a tab for panelists and I'm one of the panelists there. And I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. I have a big abilities Facebook group. If you'd like to join my group. I recently, thanks to an episode I heard you did with Joel, am now on Autisable. And oh, yeah, so, yeah, Joel. Yeah. And you can find me at The Mighty. I'm a frequent contributor there. And most recently, you can find Barkley and I on TikTok. So Really? We, um, yeah. We don't have many videos up there, but my 21-year-old mom, you've got to get on TikTok. And I'm like, this is not for me. But what I decided to do was to start a TikTok and just put short little videos up of Barkley so people can kind of get a glimpse of what autism really looks like. And so there's some funny things there, um, but it's just candid videos and just kind of throwing them up there to see what happens because autism isn't as mysterious sometimes as people think. I look at most people that I interact now with autism And they are what you see is what you get. I mean, neurotypical people are more mysterious than people with autism. And I just love that blunt attitude, you know, and and just it's to me, I've begun to just love and embrace this population of people. And that's one thing I didn't mention about the IEP meeting. I wanted to say this too. One thing that... And I and I'm this I mean this as no disrespect to the school district whatsoever. I'm a former public educator. All three of my older kids went through public education with no problem, but they're not quite set up for our kids on the special that have special needs. Mm-hmm. But one of the things um, later on in one of our later IEP meetings, when I was again requesting for him to be put in this ESC self-contained unit, one of the people said to me, a school board personnel, um, do you really want your child in a class of just other autistic children? Oh, I've heard that before. And I I was almost speechless. And I'm like, ma'am, with all due respect, those are my son's people. Of (laughs) course they do. That doesn't mean I don't want him to interact with neurotypical kids, but he has been in behavior therapy for three years with only other children with autism and thriving. Like, how do you not find that insulting? I mean, it is, but I, 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 but like you've said, you've heard it too. It's not like it's a, it's not anything that our kids are going to grow out of. 
it is who they are. Uh-huh. And yes, I want him to interact with the world around him and all that embraces, but I never want him to feel like he needs to be ashamed of autism or that it's a bad thing. It is not a bad thing. Yeah. It is just part of who he is. Uh-huh. So um, just anyone listening, uh, just realize that, that eventually, even if it's tough right now, eventually you will find that about your child and you will embrace it. And Rob, I also tell people this, if I had the magic wand that I could just wave over Barkley and the autism would disappear, I think I'd pass. I love who I've evolved as a person. I love the life that I now see through him. Mm-hmm. And just, it's changed me so much. I'm a much more accepting person of people of all abilities. And not that I wasn't before, but I feel more drawn to those people now. You're like more, I want more aware of it interact. now. Yes, exactly. I want to interact. I want to help. I want to give back. And I'm at a really good place now. And I really hope if there's any parents listening that aren't quite there yet, bring me on your support team and let's get to work because I'll be glad to help anybody. And I I just want to, I just want to point out that just because uh, I know exactly what you're saying with your, with your son and the magic wand, but, but just so that some people don't take that the wrong way. Um, Every, every family's experience with autism is very unique. And there mm-hmm. are like two of my three kids, if I could wave a wand over and, and take that sometimes burden from them. Right. And, uh, I wouldn't with my two youngest, if it were in my control, I wouldn't because it's just totally mm-hmm. who they are. They're, they're amazing, beautiful, way better than me and just about every single way. Uh, but when it comes to my oldest, he was, uh, you know, autism, he has childhood disintegrated disorder, like I said, and that's a very, mm-hmm. um, it's one of the worst diagnoses that a child can get because the prognosis is always bad. And, and you just slowly watch your child sort of deteriorate. And, oh. and if I could take that away from him, I would, because, and not that it's, it's, I mean, it's hard for me as a parent, I'm sort of, I'm used to, to, to it now. And he's, he's sort of plateaued finally in his twenties. So mm-hmm. we're mostly stable right now, but, but if I could take that away from him, I would. And and there's a lot of people out there that would be offended by that, but, but it's, it's a unique situation. Everybody's, everybody's mm-hmm. different. Not everybody has, um, some, some kids really, really struggle and parents, you know, their heart breaks for their kids. And so I, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. I just didn't want, I know what you mean. I didn't want. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, and like I, I said, everyone's story is unique. <laughs> and, of, and of course, as parents, we would uh, gladly absorb any burdens that our children are struggling with. Yes. Gladly absorb their challenges. Um, of course. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to, I, I didn't want, uh, I have made that statement before and I have, <laughs> received a lot of backlash for it because it was taken out of context and, and people, people don't always remember that even, even in the autism community, we forget that everybody's different. And, and you know, I can't tell you how many times I've heard, well, my, my autistic kid is mainstreamed. Why can't yours? What are you doing wrong? Well, it's just not the way it works, you know? So, so that is, that was uh, that was a very good point. I really do appreciate you bringing that up. Um, and I know you have to go, uh, Mm -hmm. get Barkley. So, I will, uh, I guess we'll, we'll, 
close this out. I really do appreciate your time. It was nice to, to connect. I think we should, we should do this again for sure. And, and take on some of these, uh, IEP topics and, and things like that, that could maybe be of real benefit to people. So thank you very much. Sure. Uh, I'll, um, connect you with Jessica Barasano, the founder, and she is one of the special education advocates. She could really break the whole process down for your audience in a way they really could understand and how important having a correct IEP is and having that education advocate there that's an expert to make sure those goals match up with where your child is. Yeah, I would really appreciate that because that's... Yeah, she's great. That's one thing that I think every parent in our situation dreads is the word IEP. Worse than just about anything else sometimes. So any help is is, is fantastic. So stay sure. safe. My best to you and your family. You too. And, and I uh, can't wait to chat with you again and catch up later. And then, Thanks so and much we'll, for having me, Rob. And we'll try and get this Florida thing at some point. So, All right. All right. Take Bye. care. Thank you. Bye. Before I close things out today, I just wanted to take a quick minute and just say thank you to Amy for taking the time to come on the show. It was awesome catching up with you. Um, I really appreciated, you know, your willingness to just sort of share about your family and your personal experience and, uh, and kind of, you know, it serves as a reminder for people who sometimes forget that they're not alone. And, you know, that's really helpful, especially now with, with all the COVID related lockdowns and quarantines and everything else. So thank you very much for all that you shared and kind of giving us a a glimpse into your family's life. That's really important. And I'm very grateful for that. So thank you. Uh, all of Amy's information will be in the show notes below. You can check out her podcast, her book, her website, everything just, just got to click. So, uh, there's that. As for me, you can find me at the All my social links are at the top of the page. You can subscribe to this podcast and any one of your favorite podcasting apps. I don't have a preference, but please hit that subscribe button and remember to uh, leave a review or a rating uh, for the podcast. If you would, I really do appreciate that. That really helps. Uh, Stay safe. Have a great weekend and I will talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye. Autistic kids can sometimes struggle to learn new skills such as riding a bike, reading, or simply having a conversation to a high level of proficiency and automaticity. Brainiac is a brain enhancement program that gets to the root of the problem. It builds stronger brain and body connections that elevate learning capacity within four to six months. Brainiac cross-trains motor movement, visual, auditory, and cognitive thinking connections using fun, interactive video games. Strength and connections allow kids to learn new skills and perform them automatically with more confidence and greater independence. Brainiac is for homes and schools. Visit canoe.com, that's K-I-N-U-U.com, and be sure to use the code THEAUTISMDAT at checkout to save $500. It's a limited time offer and it will expire on May 31st.